Quest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cavi Productions. Hello, and welcome back to The Conquest of Bliss. I am here with my, probably one of my top 400 favorite human beings. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's definitely like top three. She's my mom. Um, and uh, someone forgot to turn off their alarm. <laughs> it was me. It was me who forgot. Anyways, how are you today, mom? I am wonderful. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I uh, am very excited to talk to you. This is the second time now that we've tried to record it because one of the things that happens is my mom and I can get a little silly when we talk to each other and we had really bad connection last time. So we scrapped the episode and are going to try again. Um, So first things first, mom, what do you know about my podcast? Uh, It is about finding light in the darkness. (laughs) It has a couple of really cool logos. I have a sticker. Um, all right, all right. That's you've had some very good guests. That's true. I have been extremely fortunate to have some really interesting and cool people from all walks of life be on here. So before we uh, before we go too too far, can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with the idea of happiness? What does it mean? Does it feel impossible? That kind of thing. Um, it doesn't feel impossible anymore. Okay, okay. <laughs> but in the past, there have been times where I have felt like it was impossible. Okay, so, oh, sorry. Um, go ahead. I, I just, I, there's been times where I've been so mired down in my, in my own thoughts and situation that I have been unable to see any way out That's of it. That's fair and completely understandable. I have also felt that way. In life, which I think probably contributed to some of the times you felt that way, because life's a bitch like that. Um, Yeah, when you live with people, it's pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, one of my biggest regrets in life is some of the things that I said to you when we were were teenagers, you know, back when we were teenagers, uh, when I was a teenager. And uh, thankfully, you know, we've been through a lot, but we've worked through pretty much all of it. Like, I mean, at the very least, there's nothing off the table to talk about which I appreciate a lot. Um, So tell me uh, what, when you think of happiness, I don't want to know what happiness is to you in the sense of like, what are things that make you happy? But I am curious what you think it means to be happy. What kind, like, what does, what does that actually mean to you? Um, For me, happiness and contentment are very similar words, like in, in, in how I feel mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. them, right? So I, when I am not striving to make things better, mm-hmm. um, like it's okay to want to make things better and work towards making things better, but when I'm not striving for that, when I'm not feeling pressured to make things better for me or other people, it's usually when it's for other people, just honestly there, um, but like when I'm just content with with who I am and where I'm at with my life, and that's when I feel what I, I guess what other people would call mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my my definition of happiness is similar, and the reason I ask, I don't ask everyone this question, but the reason I asked you specifically is I was just wondering if we were on a similar page about that. Because um, yeah, to me, happiness 
as, as a state of being, if you will, has a lot more to do with contentment and almost like a neutrality even. Where it's like, yeah, bad shit's going to happen. Bad feelings are going to come. But ultimately, that doesn't take away from happiness because happiness isn't just an emotion to me. Now, some people will say that I'm talking about joy and that happiness is the temporary emotion. But it's a whole thing. You know, it's language. Language is fluid and weird and, you know. Yeah. Happiness is a state of being as far as I'm concerned, not so much a, an in, emotion. In my opinion as well. In my opinion as well. Um so the next thing that I was thinking about with you specifically, and I don't know if I've asked you this off, off air or not, but um, one thing that I really, I don't know what the right way to phrase this is. I'm so good at this. Um, <laughs> technically, yes. Um, so I noticed that you and a lot of people of your generation seemed to old people no, not necessarily old people but i mean young boomers older gen z um seem to have taken up the journey toward mental wellness happiness peace um all of that stuff later in life than a lot of people in my generation uh before i go sure. forward yeah you would agree with that I would say, yeah. And, and I just wonder, I wonder if that has to do with access. Um, because, like, it's it's really incredible to me. Like, there's so many. I, I had Rob Richards on here a while ago. Um, there's a lot of people of your generation that I talked to, and they began it later in life. And I don't really think it has anything to do with the generation per se. But, like, I guess what I would ask is, when you were my age, can you talk a little bit about some of the stigmas and issues that made it difficult for you to, you know, go forward in this journey? I know you were on some some medications and stuff when you were around my age. And that was pretty much it, right? Well, I, I mean, when I was your age, I also had mm -hmm. three children under the age mm -hmm. of yep. five. Um it's it's pretty hard to find any time to do anything for yourself. Self-care is not... Wait, how old do you think I am? I know I'm how 31, Mom. <laughs> I know. We wouldn't have all been under five. Oh, no, I guess... No, you wouldn't have been <laughs> under five. I was thinking... For some reason, I was thinking... Because you were 20... I was 26 you when mm -hmm. you were born. Anyways, go so ahead. I Sorry, I just... I just... <laughs> Again, not a lot of time for self-care. Yeah. Um, and not a lot of value placed on self-care mm -hmm. either at that point. Um, I was also very involved in mm -hmm. a church where uh, the focus was on serving, mm -hmm. um, serving yeah. others. And and while it was commonly said, you know, you can't pour out of an empty cup and all that, it was rhetoric. Mm -hmm. It wasn't actually... It wasn't practice. Nobody actually, tr <laughs> nobody actually tried to fill their own cup. Um you know, it was you're always busy filling everybody else's cup. So, I think that was a big part of it was was the community that I was involved mm -hmm. in. Um, yes, I was taking medication for for depression. Um, but Even that was again, stigmatized, think, right? And like oh, weaponized absolutely. against like, you, if I recall correctly. Um, weaponized against anybody that had any kind of of mental illness or or mental health issues. And I don't like to say it's because it's. I don't know. I don't like mental illness anyway, but we won't go there. Um, 
<clears throat> I, it it was a struggle because yes the stigma of of having um any kind of fault mm-hmm. any kind of flaw period mm-hmm. um and like i said and, and also while trying to juggle you know having three young kids and all of the things that come along with that um and dealing with all of the um restrictions of that church in particular uh and also the commitments that you're expected to follow with that church yep. or any any church like that um it, it makes it made all of it very difficult to to find time and then you were talking about access too and that is another thing is, is that you know we didn't have i mean when you were young we did have the internet <laughs> per se <laughs> sort of technically dogpile.com <laughs> shout out woo woo yeah and uh you know we had uh dial up so <laughs> That was in itself was <laughs> made things challenging. You know, you you might find articles about things, but finding even finding articles, like finding the resources, while there were some available, they weren't as um, omnipresent as they are now. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a lot of books, even like you know we had a library, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a lot of books on on that kind of self care and. And understanding who you are. And you, yeah, you touched on so many interesting things there. Um, The first thing I'm going to go back to quickly is the mental illness versus mental wellness thing. So I, I mean, I might get it from you, but I tend to fall in a similar camp where I'm not a huge fan of the term mental illness because, I mean, sometimes, you know, we call it mental illness when it's just a derivative of normal cognition. Um, Sometimes we call it an illness when, you know, it's just a lack of self-care, a lot of different things that we put under this umbrella. And the problem that I have with the term mental illness is that it's, number one, it's a very permanent sounding designation. Number two, it has like a... I feel like it contributes to the sense of victimhood that I felt when I was called mentally ill. I can't speak to other people's experience, but it felt like it was something that happened to me, not something that progressed over time or was like, you know, relative to trauma, things like that. Like when we, when we get, you know, when we suffer trauma, um, psychologically, we call it, we call its manifestation mental illness. But when we, suffer trauma physically we call it injury you know mm-hmm. and and there's a very big difference between the subtext of those two words um and i prefer to say mental wellness just because i i like to focus my attention and my thoughts on the on the more positive side personally now it's a personal choice and and that's fine um <clears throat> but yeah and you talked a lot about the church and and being a mother and stuff like that and and while I agree that there's definitely dynamics within different churches that are extremely toxic, um, and I think that, you know, as someone who's not a mother yet but is surrounded by mothers at 31, um, there's still a lot more focus today on mental wellness, especially amongst mothers, if anything, um, which which makes me really happy. So my my oh, next yeah. question, I guess, would be, your introduction to, you know, types like CBT type stuff, DBT, mental wellness, um, 
what is the right word for this? Mental illness or mental wellness, illness, um, resources. Mental health initiatives. Where mm-hmm. would you say that was? Now, I have a guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm going to say my guess before you say so that I can't be like, oh, that's what I was going to guess. Um, <laughs> is uh, Was it me being in rehab? Um, definitely a lot of it came from a lot of the learning that I did mm-hmm. came from investigating ways to help you. Yeah. Um, so there's no doubt about that. Uh, but that's it was a good thing, right? I mean, well... And that, that's often the case. While you're looking to help someone else, you end up helping yourself. Absolutely. absolutely. So, so that definitely was a, a big starting point. Um, and it was probably even before you were in rehab, but just when you were actively using and you were dealing with, with a lot of the issues due to injury, mm-hmm. like you said, I, I agree to you that like, I agree with you that the, the trauma, some of the trauma that you went through caused injuries to your mental health yeah and i mean i never say mental Ill injury but i just think that that's a better correlation no it, it actually is i to me it, it's more accurate it more accurately accurately reflects why well, and how to deal with it happen. you know yeah yeah so um yeah that was definitely a starting point for me plus i also had some other friends that were um very supportive because when you have a loved one going through any kind of a trauma, mm-hmm. um, you yourself get traumatized to some degree. Can or can be, be, yeah. Not always, but can be. So I did have a couple of very good friends who were um, trying very hard to help me get through what I was dealing with with you and other family members yes. too. So that was helpful as mm-hmm. well. Well, because what what uh, comes to my mind is the conversation that we had. And we've discussed this conversation so many times since. Um, the conversation we had that led to eventually, through more than just the conversation, led to you making that big life decision to change everything. And uh-huh. uh, I mean, I don't really credit myself with that so much as just being fully entrenched in a mental wellness scenario you know, made it very easy for me to figure out how to talk to you about it and stuff like that. And I know that since then, you've been plugging away on your own journey to try and find balance and wellness. And, you know, you're still, you still pick your own, you pick your battles, but you're, you're picking a lot more battles, things like that. And so, sorry, I was, uh, yeah, I was just wondering where you would pinpoint that. And, uh, you know, other people who are feeling trapped, feeling like they're stigmatized, stuff like that. One of the problems with the internet, you know, is that now, opposite to when you were you were my age, now there's too much. You know, there's too much uh-huh. information. Any belief, opinion, thought you have can be confirmed on the internet. So, oh, yes. And confirmation bias is a very, very real thing. Very, very real thing. I'm actually thinking to do a um, cognitive distortion, cognitive... It's called the Cognitive Codex, and it's like a whole last thing, so I'm not sure if I'm going to go down that road, but we'll see. Um, anyways, so knowing what you know now, dealing with these things, where where might you start? Where might you recommend a friend um, start? I would probably, I would probably not recommend the internet for the, exactly what we just talked about. Um, it's very hard to say because. That's the other thing about this journey. Um, 
not just for myself, but for others that I know that have been on a similar type of journey, is that different things speak to different so people. So much, yes. So like Rob Richards, for example, is a good one. Um, Rob found a lot of, of his healing and, and, uh, and freedom through yoga and through the gong and that, that whole meditation practice. Um, but in his case, like the Eastern meditation, yoga, mm. those types of things, um, I would highly recommend just meditation as a place to start for mm-hmm. people. Even if it was something like Headspace or some other app where it's short periods of guided meditation to just allow you to take a little break from life, mm-hmm. from what's going on, and uh, Learn- and actually listen to yourself. I was going to say learning to listen. Yeah, but learning to listen to yourself because some of us are great listeners to like good at listening to other mm-hmm. people and absolutely horrible at listening to our own internal issues or our own internal yearnings or whatever. Yeah, and I think um, a little note on the Headspace thing, you know, you said even something like Headspace or guided meditation. I've noticed in recent years, there's been a lot of gatekeeping around uh, guided meditation and how it's not real meditation and stuff like that. And to that, I say poo-poo. You know, I really, truly believe that anywhere you can start is better than not starting at all. A lot of people want you to follow a set of rules that works for them, and that's the only way to mental wellness in their mind. But realistically, you know, my mom used to say when I was a kid, hey, mom, how do you eat an elephant? And I would always say one bite at a time. And I didn't really understand it when I was young, and now I find I say it to myself a lot, is regardless of what it is, you can just start. You know, you don't have to have all the answers to start. No, and that's the important thing is to just start. And so, like, I don't know if you know, but, well, I'm sure you know, but I'm I'm quitting smoking. And, you know, how do you you start that? How do you start that? Well, you start by not having a cigarette. <laughs> but it's and and everybody's journey in that is is quite often different. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I had to make a choice to start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And have I, have I been a hundred percent successful? No. <laughs> but I'm not done the journey. Well, and I mean. So I don't consider it a failure because my journey is not smoking done. or clean time or things like that. Like, you know, the, the things where you're trying to not do is a really good example of this is that like, <clears throat> I'm going to make up some numbers now, folks. So don't quote me on this. Let's say that every cigarette takes 10 minutes off your life. I don't know if that's the right number, whatever. So if you go forward and you smoke Say you're a 20, 20 cigarette a day, one pack a day smoker, or if you're in Alberta, I guess it's 25 for a pack a day smoker, but you're, you know, a pack a day smoker and you're able to drop it down to five smokes, then you've given yourself 200 extra minutes, you know, and that my friends is progress. You know, they used to say in rehab, since I'm talking about rehab a bunch, um, progress, not perfection. And I think yep. it's just a huge, huge, huge part of the journey is to stop obsessing over results. Stop obsessing over a specific metric that you have to meet 
because by doing that, it's it really just becomes an excuse to just not, you know, not bother trying. Well, and perfection, perfection is a good. That's a good thing. Perfectionism is what has probably one of the things that has cost me the most peace in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because I am a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah, a bit. Depending on what we're talking mm-hmm. about. <laughs> um, but that that drive to be perfect all the time has caused huge issues for me to not even attempt things. Yeah. Because I'm afraid I can't be perfect at it. Or attempting something and if I'm not immediately perfect at it, that's it, I give up. <sighs> That's so true. I mean, honestly, so my mom and I are both craftaholics. We always have been. I am not. <laughs> um, and that's... I didn't go and spend $200 at Michael's on the weekend. What are you talking about? That doesn't sound about? true at all. Um, <laughs> but that's that's one thing that, like, I thankfully didn't inherit from you. And there's, you know, like, there's a marked difference in, you know, in the things that we take on and enjoy sometimes, because, you know, I'm, I'm really good at sucking at things, really good at sucking at things until I'm passable. And then if it's something that I enjoy, you know, I become good at it even, you know, like the animation is a really great example. My first animations were total garbage, you know? Well, well, okay. So I look at the, the, the jewelry yeah. thing. So I make jewelry just so, you know, cause people don't know that I make jewelry, but I mm-hmm. make jewelry. Um, but when I started, and I got all these supplies and it was all this silver <laughs> stuff and and it was very intimidating. Yes. And you and B just got right in there and <laughs> you were making stuff and I counted these. B is my brother for but, those who don't know. Yeah. So yeah, you guys came over and you made things with all of the expensive jewelry supplies I had and I counted beads and inventory. Do you remember stuff. the the bracelet B made me? I do. It says F heart S. So it says farts. And I love it. That's right. Um, but I, I've since gotten over that fear. And how I did that was by going to copper instead <laughs> of silver, which is way cheaper. And I feel way less stressed out if I screw, thing, screw things up with copper. But it's okay. Like I'll use silver now. I feel less concerned about using silver. But what I did find was that I actually really enjoy working with copper mm-hmm. through all of that. And I like the look of the copper better than the silver because I like the warmth and all those other. But so it, it ended up being okay. But yes, that perfectionism kept me from enjoying making the jewelry because I was so worried about screwing it up and, and it was expensive stuff. Well, and that's another um, really great point too uh is when you talk about you know so i didn't want to do that so i mitigated the risk there are an amazing number of things that we think have to be done a certain way and if we if we stop and we go okay you know what this feels like too much risk for me whatever it is right so in this case making silver jewelry feels like too much of a risk for me i don't want to spend that much money learning you instead of i guess what i'm trying to say is instead of focusing on this is a huge big problem that I have, if you step back and go, okay, how can I mitigate this risk in the meantime? That can go a really, really long way is instead of looking at the problems, not necessarily solutions, but how can I how can I bring this scary thing down to a tolerable level, level of risk for myself? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a good example for me personally is the podcasting. I 
believe it or not, do not like public speaking at all. Really? <laughs> well, you know that, but most people don't. You know, and, and I mean, I've done lots of things to, you know, jump off the proverbial bridge with public speaking. I've done, you know, stand-up comedy. I've done um, performances and plays, different stuff. But when it came to the idea of podcasting, I was terrified. So instead of doing live recordings like a lot of my peers do, I almost always just record in Zoom and then upload it later. And I realized yeah. that that could be costing me views, costing me whatever, right? Because people aren't going to see it live and get all excited like they do with my peers. But at the same time, it makes what I want to do manageable for me. So maybe yeah. at some point, yeah. I'll get to the point where I'm doing live recordings frequently. I do some sometimes for other people's shows and stuff. But, you know, maybe I get to the point where I do it frequently, do live recordings. Maybe I never yeah. do. But this happy oh, medium okay. for me allows me to do something I'm passionate about without it feeling like I'm risking everything every time I get on the on a call. Well, and, and another thing too is that like back then, I mean, I know it sounds silly, but back to the jewelry thing too <laughs> is that um, seeing how easily you picked up the, the wire wrapping and, and making the jewelry mm -hmm. and stuff, that in itself was a bit intimidating. Oh, sorry. And no, it's okay because, but what I recognized out of it was that I need to learn differently mm -hmm. and that's okay. So what I've done is like, I got a book. The book helped me a great deal mm -hmm. because I'm a bit of a visual learner. So, um, you know, getting a book and, and being able to see the pictures and working through some simpler projects gave me a little bit more confidence and a little bit more freedom mm -hmm. And that's not something that, that's not how you learn. You learn by picking stuff up and just doing it. And that's super cool. However, it's just, that's not yeah. me. And so that's another thing is recognizing that just because one person does it that way mm -hmm. and I can't do it that way doesn't mean I can't do it. It means that I need to approach it a different way. Well, and I think actually that brings me to another thought I have on this topic. And that is... You know, you you felt intimidated by me being, you know, quote unquote, good at it right away. One of the things I will bet you, you didn't consider when, when you did that is that it wasn't my first, second or even third run at wire wrapping. I mean, I <clears throat> done lots, this is my first time probably doing jewelry, but I've made a lot, a lot of things about um, around wire wrapping and stuff before. And like one of the tendencies I have, and I'm thinking that you fell into this same trap um, in this particular instance, was I look at people who are good at things and I assume that people are just inherently good at things. Now that happens sometimes, you know, yeah. you know, sometimes people are just talented, but often there's hundreds of hours of work behind it that you yeah. don't get to see, yeah. you know? Yeah. So like with the, and I do know that I just, you know, and I, and I do know that you had some experience with wire because I've seen your woman. <laughs> I've seen your wire woman. And I have one of your, I have a wire uh, business card holder that says <laughs> right. love. Um, so I did know that you had some experience with wire wrapping. It's just, uh, it was your fearlessness that was like, huh, I wish I had that. Oh, thank you. And then, like I said, it took me some time to to recognize that it's okay that I don't didn't have that fearlessness with that. And, and it's okay that I learn in a different way. And 
I'll get to where I need to be my way. And that's perfectly acceptable. It, it really is. And it's funny because, like, I mean, you probably know better than most that as much as my fearlessness, quote unquote, it's not really fearlessness. It's it's just doing it anyways. But I know it's not. As, as much as that has served me well in some areas, it has also been very expensive in others. Not financially, yeah. but... Oh, sometimes financially. <laughs> well, not not usually, unless you're talking about the whole Kirk thing. In which case, shut no, up. I was thinking more along the. <laughs> I was I was actually thinking more along the lines of the whole RV thing. Hey, you just kind of you kind of dove into that head first, and and you lost money on that deal big time. And okay, that's okay, but to be fair, I was living in a place that had a toilet in the kitchen. <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have done it. I'm just saying that that was a case where there was a financial cost to that. Yeah, and and I mean I. I'm pretty comfortable saying that I've I've almost fully recovered. You know, I'm just oh, the yeah. same level oh, of broke I was before. Uh, <laughs> it, it isn't. It it were it wasn't like life changingly expensive. Um, yeah, I lost around ten grand on it, but let's let's move on. Um, <laughs> yeah, but my my point is is that you're right. People often don't see the other costs to that. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, we all, well, not everybody, but I, most of the people I know have made, uh, I would say snap decisions, but they're not necessarily snap decisions, but have made choices um, that were not necessarily the wisest choices, yep. including myself. Mm-hmm. I've made many of those myself, um, but you, we learn from them, right? Like that's, that's how you learn um, is, is by making mistakes and, and buy things not working out all the time. People who are born with a silver spoon in their mouth or whatever, however you want to phrase that, but people who never seem to have struggles mm-hmm. um, often seem, I guess, less mature. What? And they just, they don't seem to, they don't grow in the same way. I'm not saying that they don't grow and I'm not saying that they are immature. I'm just saying that sometimes... You know, like people say, you're an old soul. Mm-hmm. Like you especially, people say that about, you're an old uh-huh. soul. But I think it's because you've you've had... Some struggles. Some, you've had struggles. You had struggles when you were young mm-hmm. that most people don't... Well, a lot of people never have. Mm-hmm. But that if people have them, they tend to be a little bit later in their lives. Yeah. And and so it, it's caused you to to grow and mature in ways that a lot of people at your age haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the same thing happened with me. I, I went through some stuff when I was young, like very mm-hmm. young, that that I, nobody should have to go through. And so it, it it changes how you look at things and it changes how you deal with things. And and people tend to think of you as like an old soul. Oh, you're so mature. Oh, in some ways, I'm still like a 12-year-old. So well, it's not I think really one true. Of the I'm not super biggest mature. biggest signs of maturity is knowing that you don't always have to be mature. But... Um, uh-huh. You know, and, and another thing to the whole silver spoon thing is a lot of people don't factor in relativity, too, when it comes to, like, they never have struggles. Well, actually, like, you know, the struggle of, for example, losing all their vacation homes and only having one home left, that sounds like a ridiculous oh struggle to someone like us, someone like us, us one person. Um, we are just one person in two different bodies. <laughs> no. Um <laughs> 
um, but but realistically, you know that that could be everything to them. You know, it, it's uh-huh. it's all about relativity. But I have been very quietly but ferociously looking for my phone. I seem to have misplaced it, which is a pain in the butt. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I am gonna do in just a moment. I'm gonna do the game with you. Um, which I would normally do on my phone, like Google it or whatever. Um, but I can't. So you're going to have to do it on your laptop. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do Scottish slang because my mom is obsessed with Scotland and has been since we were little. (laughs) Why do I keep forgetting that we're not the same age? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) we were little, we were teens. It would be really... (laughs) It would be really weird if we were the same age. It would be, absolutely. Um, Okay, so we're going to go to highlandandtitles.com and look at Scottish slang 1.0. So... Okay. Or maybe we... Oh, yeah, okay. probably get them all wrong. Um, But we're going to do that in just a moment. Before we go, is there anything else that you want to add about your own journey or the journeys of others that you've seen and what might be helpful or what pitfalls you might be able to avoid that kind of thing. Well, the biggest pitfall I think people can avoid is expecting it to be instant. Mm. Um, Because like you said, it's a journey and I I believe it's a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. I don't think I will ever be there, but I'm going to enjoy getting to wherever that is. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's a big thing is, is that, um, is, is patience in that journey. Um, and not the only other advice I would have is don't expect your journey to look just like someone Mm -hmm. else's because it's your journey. Mm -hmm. And, and to add to that too, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but I saw something on Facebook today and it really got me thinking about it is to remember, you know, that not only can we not control other people, but that, like, you know, that interfere with our journey, however that looks, whatever. Um, but we also, we tend to forget, oh, how do I describe this? We tend to forget that, like, we get to control how we interact with other people's journeys, too. Um, so if we have someone in our life that, you know, really, by most accounts, could use some therapy, and they just don't, learning to let go of the desire to control their journey goes a really, really long way. And sometimes letting go of that desire means walking away from the person. And sometimes that means giving them less space in your mind. There's a lot of different things that looks like, but just remembering that we all have our own timing. Uh You know, like if you, if you had learned the things that you learned at the same age that I started learning it, then I wouldn't exist. And yep. so I'm super fucking stoked <laughs> that you started your journey so much that later. My journey was yeah. later. Because <laughs> I kind of like this whole yeah. being alive thing most of the time. Um, all right. Are you ready to... Cool. Oh, sorry? I said cool. Are you ready to, to guess some Scottish slang? Absolutely. All right. All right. So what? <laughs> what's an Egypt? An yes. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what's a lavy head? Lavi head. I'm going to guess that the last part is H-E-I-D. 
And how do you spell the first L-A-V-V-Y. part? L-A-V-V-Y. Uh, somebody who's um, silly. It's a toilet head. Oh. Oh, okay. That makes um, sense. Laughing. All right. And these are yeah. Scottish insults I just discovered. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. What's howling mean? If someone is howling. Laughing? Uh, smelly. Oh. All right. So those are the only ones that are going to, I'm, I'm not going to do any more insults. Uh, okay. <laughs> ooh, day. Day. Mm-hmm. As opposed to dine. Oh, um, can. Do and don't. Do, okay. Like, I dine yeah, can. Dine. Oh, okay, yeah, what no. does can mean? I know that one. It's not. Can means no. <laughs> I dine can, why you I dine can. Um, all right, I. Yes. Leather. Oh, like uh, blether is like uh, talking. Chatterbox, yeah. All right, what's yeah. chitter? Uh, I don't know. It's Chattering. a shiver. Oh, close. Okay. Um, all right. Peely Wally. So that's... <laughs> Peely Wally is like... Uh, like topsy turvy, maybe. No, it means I don't pale know. or wan, wan. I don't know. I don't oh, okay, wan. Yep, W A N, wan. Do you know what that word means? You're like it means yes. peely wally. <laughs> 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 no, it means somebody who's pale or like, like when somebody looks really pale. Like gaunt. Thick, that's no gaunt is skinny. <sighs> okay, whatever. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> what does tatty mean? Tatty means. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a potato. Oh. All right. Now I'm going to read you. Uh, I'm going to read you a, a, a saying and you can tell me what it means. Sure. I'll Gone try. ain't no day that. Gone ain't no day that. Do something, don't do that. Yeah, it means please don't do that. Okay, this is the last one, and it's just, I don't know. Harry Koo. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Literally means hairy cow, but what's the locals often refer to? They're highland oh. cows. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, a coo. <laughs> it's a great fat coo. Um, yeah, it's a great, great fat, fat coo. coo. Um, all right, so now that everyone's going to be offended by our terrible Scottish accents, um, like it's the first time I've ever done a shitty accent on this podcast. Okay. Well, it's my first time, so you Any know. hoozles. Um, did you know I say any hoozles enough that it's in my autocorrect? That's right. That's right. Um, okay. <laughs> now that I've sufficiently embarrassed myself and hopefully you, I love you very much. And, and is there anything you. you would like to add before I close this up? Um, just thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about my journey and uh, hopefully it helps somebody else. I hope so too. And I always enjoy having um, smart, interesting, funny guests and you. Then why do you have me on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have the weirdest, weirdest. Okay. Anyways. Um, so to you, mama, I love you very much. Thank you for coming on and joining us. And to my audience, I love you. Bye. Thank you.